Hey everyone, this is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, and today I have an awesome guest, Chad Pickens, with me. Chad Pickens is an 11-year pro. He's actually won a Bass Open as well as two Bass Master Northern Open Anglers of the Year. Chad has 28 career top 20 finishes in the Bass tournaments, and he's won the 2014 Bass Pro Shops Northern Open. How you doing, Chad? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. It's great to have you on here because I've seen your name get thrown around a lot in professional bass fishing. And one of these questions I always like to ask the people that come on the podcast is how you kind of got started in the fishing and then how you kind of ended up where you are today in the professional circuit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the the biggest question we get asked all the time is how do you how do you get there? And and to be honest with you, there's no there's no certain way for everybody. Everybody's got their own path. All I can say is like 95 to 99 percent of us, it's hard work, blood, sweat, tears, and figuring out a path that works for you. And for me, it was a balance of work and fishing. The biggest thing that limit people from fishing full-time is money. And then the thing is, if you got the work and you've got the money, well, then you don't have the time to be on the water to be good enough at fishing. So there's got to be a good balance. And for me, it was, you know, I went to college and did that deal, major in math, and I kind of set up my businesses, like painting stuff. Uh, I've got rental properties and all that deal. I used to ref hockey nights and weekends, was just literally working 80 to 90 hours a week when home. And then I would take off and fish, try to make some money doing that. Because in the end of the day, like when you start off, you still owe like your entry fees, travel. Nobody knows who you are. So nobody's jumping on I me. Mean, my first year on the Elite Series, I won Angle of the Year in the Opens before. I never got one phone call. You don't I mean you really, to be honest with you, you don't get phone calls unless you have some connections, you know, with the college fishing and stuff. Now, those guys come in a little bit more groomed, you know, and, and they come in with a little bit better sponsor portfolio. When I was starting, I just, I had connections to the people I worked with. So I was fortunate to align myself with some of those people. And that's still kind of how I, how I roll now and just keep working hard for people and just keep trying to do good things and eventually get a big blue trophy. We're trying. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> right before we started recording, I mentioned that there's all those trophies behind you and <laughs> you still said, I'm still chasing that big blue one, man. We're getting close. It's crazy, man. It's been 10 years, but I, I, I've been close and, um, Hope maybe we'll just skip the blue one and get the big brown one in a couple of weeks at the class. I guess it's brownish, you know, whatever color it is. <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. That's the whole goal. So, so you majored in math. So that was kind of like your backup plan. Uh, I mean, I just, dude, I hate reading. To be honest, I, I was good at math, love math, and I was actually a secondary ed math major. For just going to teach, was supposed to move to North Carolina to teach because um, I wanted to get down south and kind of fish and whatnot, and then just. Met a guy that fished um, the FLW tour at the time and like we connected and I kind of helped him out in Lake Erie a little bit. He's like, dude, if you want to take a shot at this, like I'll help pay for your travel and stuff next year. You're welcome to roll with me. And he got down. He's from Indiana. Good dude. And uh, man, I traveled with him for like full years, full time. Him and Wesley Strader. He was Chad Skank. And just we had a blast fishing. I learned so much and had so much good networking with those guys. And you just learn about other people's practice styles. And it in those two to four years, I learned more of those years than I did literally my entire life of fishing, just being surrounded and engulfed with like guys that are good at their trade, you know, their technique. And it was, it was a lot of fun too. Absolutely, man. The fishing community, as I'm talking to more and more people, there's always like this group of people that's always helped other people get to where they are. And it's kind of cool to hear your story about how that group kind of. It, it has to work that way because it's so hard to get there. Like, you know, and there's a lot of good people in fishing. You've asked, like for the most part, 99% of people are great people in the industry because if you're not, dude, you're going to get left behind. You're going to get squashed because you need help. you like, you need to have some connections with people. And, and it just, it doesn't work out really doing it on your own because if you do it on your own, you don't have any sponsor dollars. Well, your first year, you're still going to spend 80 plus grand. If you cash every check, eight checks, nine, you still make nothing. 
So like it, it's bass has given us such a huge platform, you know, major league fishing bass, all of these people combined have really helped out our, our sport grow, you know, with college fishing and high school fishing, like the base is getting huge and eventually like it all lifts up, but it takes time, you know, for the sponsor dollars and stuff to shake out. But there's more eyes on our sport now than there's ever been, which means there's more opportunity. So like you may not crush it, you know, making, you know, money, cash and checks, but there's a lot of opportunity, you know, to work with partners and, and to help grow the sport and, and, you know, make some good money in the meantime. That's, I feel like those opportunities have been even larger the last, you know, five to seven years, you know, definitely. Hopefully definitely. they stay that way. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, hopefully it just keeps growing because it is really cool to see like professional bass fishers just kind of doing their stuff out there and um, catching those big bass. But let, let's switch it up a little bit. Let's go to the techniques. And um, I was reading your portfolio on Bassmasters and your signature, your signature technique is isolated target fishing. <laughs> and I was wondering what, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's it's fishing offshore. I don't necessarily mean fishing like I've done well in ledge lakes, like just fishing fish, like when they get on bare spots and stuff. What I love are like little clean spots, little hard spots, you know, whether it's gravel or rock. I've done really well at, you know, Texas and Lake Fork. I fish a lot of little timber lines or clean spots, like literally one cast deals. And, you know, I'm a big fan of a hummingbird my whole career using that 360 imaging to, you know, dial in that sweet spot now to use live and to make that cast, you know, and before like, dude, it was hard before 360 came out and live. And I mean, I used to literally like the stuff I have on Lake Erie, like the little gravel spots or single boulders or whatever it is. I mean, I found those, it took 10 or 15 years to find them because I would drive me, my buddy would zigzag and mark every high spot. And that's, that's, we didn't even have side imaging when we started learning Lake Erie. And so it would be like two or three years, we'd have these four sweet spots that I'm fishing this one. And my coingler starts jacking them out of the back of the boat. I didn't even know a little pieces over there. Next time we go out, we drive over there more. I'm like, Oh, there's another one there. You know, and now you can literally go like this and do a loop and every sweet spot that I've seen, you know, it, you can find them in five to 10 minutes. I mean, granted it, you still takes time to know what they are and whatnot, but it's just knowing where I've gotten the bites now. It's just, it's so much cleaner. It's just, it's pretty cool to drive around and see that, you know, and other target fishing like Chesapeake Bay, like fishing single stumps underwater, a little lay down, like that kind of stuff. Like I hate flipping, not gonna lie. It's fun, but I get my butt kicked when I go do it along the bank. So like I try to stay away from the bank if I can, I don't mind flipping, you know, flats like grass out, you know, on flats and stuff, submerged stuff like that. But I, I do not like to fish hard lines of structure. So, you know, if you do something for a living, you don't have to be perfect at everything. You have to be good at what you do and, and be able to find that in a daft, you know? Absolutely. And those little bumps, those little like segments of rock, they don't really show up on like an old school, like map, do they? Like, no, that's that's a, no, there's, that's what's neat about it. And that's why like, we're, we're going to Lake Erie this year. And I, I've won on Lake Erie before. And I love fishing Lake St. Clair, but those fish roam and they're constantly in and out. And if there's a lake where you really don't have a home advantage, it's Lake St. Clair. The fish move every year. They move every day. And if the bait slides, you could be on 25 pounds like I was last time when I got smoked on St. Clair. And they slide off 100 yards. Well, if you don't go get them, you know, you zigzag the wrong way, you end up with 13 or whatever. The only saving grace is last time we fished there, you know, I didn't have live, you know, so I was one of the guys out there and a lot of us got smoked because of it. I mean, it was, it's, there's some places it doesn't really matter at all. There's other places like when it's flat and nothing, like it's like fishing with your eyes closed without it. I mean, it really is. I went out one day this past, it was spring or fall, whenever it was just went messing around, caught 39 fish. I caught 38 of them on live. I mean, that 
I got, maybe I, if I didn't have it, I would have still caught like six or eight because you can see some of them set up on 360, but a lot of them are suspended, you know, three, four feet off the bottom, just swimming. And it's just like, it's not like a needle in a haystack. It's like picking out a dang, you know, beach ball in a bedroom or something. It's just easy. So Chad, <laughs> let me ask this. Cause, cause I just bought a, um, a live sonar front forward facing sonar and you know, someone that's just getting into it. I don't really know how to use it. So you know, you talk to the town. What have people been talking about? Like how to really, you don't have to go into like the technicals of like setting it up, but like in theory, what's like the best way to use that? You, you got to go somewhere where it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like if you're fishing, like they're hard to see when they sit in rocks, a bunch of smallmouth can tuck down rocks. So you don't see them that well, but if you've got like a, a lake that's flat, like again, it's tough if there's a lot of contour, but if you've got flat areas, that's why you see it excel so much like in timber, like on timber flats. Cause those fish, when they're in trees, I mean, they stand out. It's like a glowing Christmas light you know, sitting in a tree piece. And it's really fun to do with crappie because crappie stay still a little bit more. So a good, good way to learn is if, if you have a clear like timber lake around your house, just get out there and start scanning around and you'll, you'll start seeing crappie and whatever. But the good news is they all bite, like at, they all bite at times, but you can kind of get a gauge, for, you know, learning what, what's what out there. And I have by no means mastered that at all. I just know that like there's lakes where it shines and like Lake St. Clair is just a place without it. I mean, you are going to catch I don't want to say five, but I mean, between five and 10 times less fish. I mean, literally it's, it's ridiculous because when you're out blind casting where they were and you can just go like this and be like, oh, they slid over 20 feet. I mean, it's just unbelievable. In the days when they're chasing, you probably catch them anyway, because it's clean. It's clear. If, if the bait's 30 feet off, they're going to swim over and eat it. But there's other days where like, if it lands by them, they eat it. But if it doesn't, you know, you're out there just dragging around and it's not, I'm not a big dragger. I like to put my stuff in the right places, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Way more efficient, right? <laughs> and again, that's why I choose to go to Lake Erie. So like this year when we fished there, it's finally would be right for me to go to St. Clair. But you know, if the weather's right and the fishing's right, like I just love that isolated stuff. And if I would love to be out there, if the fish are giant at Lake St. Clair and I'm going to lose three hours to go to Erie, it might not be worth it, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. So. Gotcha, man. Awesome. And then, all right. So I was looking at your bio again. You like bananas on the boat? I mean, I just, I like bananas. So, you know, I, I am actually, you know, I believe in good luck superstition and whatnot. So like I eat bananas cause they're good for your muscles. You don't get cramps and we all fish like this and hunch, hunch over and dude, it's terrible for your shoulders, your back, your arms. So bananas are good for you. I eat one every day. I'll eat it in the car on the way there. I'll eat it in the boat, but I do choose to eat it. That way I get rid of the bad vibes. So it's kind of like a reverse, you know, reverse thing with the bananas. Like I'm not scared of them. But they get in my way, I'm going to take them down and, you know, that way we can get rid of the bad vibes. Yeah, because I know that was like a, that's like a whole superstition in the bass community, right? You can't have a banana oh. on the boat. Yeah, there's people that won't even come next to your boat if there's a banana. <laughs> and there'll be like people that will straight up go crazy if you were to toss a peel or something at them. I'm like, I don't know about that. But I do pick up, I do pick up heads up change and I toss in the boat. Cause I feel like a quarter is like good for 25 good bites. You know what I mean? Over the course of a, you know, tournament practice, whatever. So. I'll be a scavenger. It's no big deal. <laughs> cool. And Chad, what, what's the craziest experience you had out there on a tour? The craziest fish bite, craziest story you've ever seen or anything like that come to mind? The craziest, <laughs> the craziest story I've ever heard. I can't tell you on the air. It's a, a good buddy of mine, Garrett Paquette. And it is the literally the funniest story ever known to mankind about a guy that had a boat ride with him in a tournament, had some stomach issues and it was a very interesting scene in the boat and whatnot. That's all. I'll just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Garrett, get, get him on one time. If you want to have a 
different story time, he will tell you the funniest story you've ever heard of. That's all. That's all I can say. I'll put it down in my notes to have him on. Yeah. My um, I believe that that story probably lines up pretty well with the story that I got about my dad too. Um, <laughs> let's just say we were away and we were eating uh, buffet food a lot, and we woke up at five in the morning one day to go out, and it wasn't a good sight on the boat. Well, whatever you think happened, then times that by five or ten, and this one gets better. Oh, it, yeah. I get weird, but it's just oh man. But that's funny. What are you gonna do? You're on the water yeah. <laughs> every day. I've had a lot of awesome stuff happen on the water. I I can't really even pick one. The craziest thing that ever happened to me was when I won the Open. They had a boat race um, at Detroit River, like where we were allowed to cross. And we were given, just like a lock, you're given a set time where you can cross. Well, whatever happened, I roll up, I'm like, got 23, 24 pounds or whatever. And it's the last day I'm there. I see Fletcher. No, it wasn't somebody else was in front of us. They went, they let him go. And then we got stopped by all these big, you know, Canadian and American boats. I'm like, no, I've got to wait to the next one. I'm like, no big deal. They just let somebody go. I've got over an hour to sit. Well, 20 minutes goes by, 30, 40. I'm on the phone with our director. They can't, they're trying to make calls. They're not letting us go. I'm at the ambassador bridge. And it's like, I mean, you, you should have an hour, hour and 10 to get back. And I was talking to Fletcher Shyrock, who was sitting next to me at the time. And he's like, we're going to be late. I'm like, if we get, if we go with, 40 minutes, we have a chance or 30 or whatever it was. And you know, whatever it was, they were pointing at us and they finally just said, you two go, no, no idle speed, just go. And we just took off. And it was like boat races. I remember going like 50, 55 miles an hour through like yacht wakes right down the middle of St. Clair. All the rods were put away, all my graphs off. And just, I mean, it was the roughest ride I've ever been. I got back with like a minute and a half left and got my first trip to the Bassmaster Classic. But dude, it was I've never been more stressed out sitting there knowing that like I've got what I need to win, but I don't know if I can get back. And it has nothing to do with me. I was an hour early, just how, you know, some of the risks you take when you make those runs. Oh, dude, I'd be losing my mind sitting there just as time picks on, just like, what, like, what are we doing? Like, yeah, it was bad. And Fletcher wasn't losing his mind because he's like, well, I was in third and you were in second and I know you got me beat. So at least I didn't win. That's what he's telling me. I'm just like, dude, you're killing me. But it was, it all worked out. We made it back and yeah. That doesn't yeah. help at all. Yeah. That's not going to help at all, but awesome, later probably, but. <laughs> Chad, I appreciate it, man. Um, couple questions. I like to wrap up these. Uh, what's your biggest um, PB largemouth and PB smallmouth? Uh, PB largemouth. That's another amazing story. Dang. Uh, nine, eight. In the open, day one, I was in like 100th, missed a few, and only weighed four fish. On day two, I went out and caught right at 30 pounds, like 29, 14. And I caught a 9.8 there on a big crankbait, like a, a whatever, giant crankbait. It had 10XD or 8XD or whatever it was at the time. But I hung a big one off the ledge, and it was fighting weird. I'm like, I don't know what it is, dude, but it's coming up to jump. Tell my, my co-angler. And then it comes near the boat, and I've got two of them like this. One of them, I think, is like six or seven. The other one, I think, is eight or nine pounds. And I'm fighting them like, oh, my, I got like 20 pounds of bass on. And they go down, I hit the thumb button, I like feed them line. They would have been just out of reach of a net, maybe. Um, but I let them go back down. I pull them back up. They're both there. They're like five feet from the boat at the surface. And the big one, which was honest to God, like two to three pounds bigger, gets off. And I, I'm like, then I fight the other one. I catch the other one that I think is a six or seven. It's nine, eight. The other one was like, I mean, maybe it wasn't as fat, but it legit could have been a 12 to 14 pounder. Like, I don't know how big it was. I just know it wasn't like one pound bigger. I mean, it was 
I thought the other fish was three pounds larger and that, so it was the craziest thing ever. So, but it was, that was the coolest thing I've ever done with a large mouth and a uh, small mouth is 613. I've won a few VFLs, uh, bed fishing, and I've caught like two or three 613s. I've never caught a seven, but I have caught a, my co-inglers caught a seven one off the back of my boat on Lake Erie, but I haven't. So. <laughs> so wait, real quick, going back to that one, it was a big crankbait. You had two fish on there. You caught the one, it was a nine pounder. The other one was, what do you think? 12? Something like that. It, I mean, if it, the one was a nine, eight, if it, if the other fish was skinny and it did not look skinny because the other one didn't look fat. Like if it was skinny, it would have been, you know, a 10 and a half, 11 pounder. If it was built even remotely close to the other, it was a 12 to 14. Oh my God. And I've, I've caught big ones. I've caught like, you know, eight, 13 at four, eight, 10. And like, I've been very fortunate with, you know, some of the bigger bites I've had, I've, I've caught, you know, but that was one that, that was the biggest one I've definitely ever hooked. And I mean, I mean, to land two fish like that, I mean, they're just, they straightened out, not straightened out, but they definitely, you know, bent out some hooks and that big one got away, but it was still, it was awesome. <laughs> no, that's, that's, a, that's an awesome story. So, so yeah. where can people find you and keep, uh, keep in contact with you, follow your career? On like yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm all Chad Pipkins, whatever you're searching for. What I think one of them's got an underscore under it, but just search Chad Pipkins at, uh, mostly on Facebook and Instagram, play around on TikTok a little bit and Twitter, but do most of the stuff on, uh. Facebook and Instagram do a little bit of YouTube also, but man, I've got two kids now. I balance, you know, a little bit of pain stuff still, rental stuff still. And then like tournament fishing is a full-time job. Like the marketing stuff, the social stuff is another full-time job, the scheduling, the travel, and then, you know, trying to have a, have a happy wife at home and two kids that, that like you a lot. So I, we try to do it all here. feel like we do a good job, but definitely burn the candle at both ends sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like he's super busy, right? I mean, you yeah. got to balance the work, play and family, you know? So exactly. That's awesome. Keep everybody Chad, happy. Chad, I appreciate having you on, man. I appreciate you coming on, taking some time out of your busy schedule to jump on this with me. Hopefully, um, you know, someday down the road, we can catch up and see how that tournament life's going. See that big blue trophy. I behind it, man. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have some classic victory stories here in a few weeks, maybe, or just, you know, just a good classic. I've had some really poor ones for whatever reason, but Maybe the stars are lining up this time. So looking forward to it. I love it, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. You just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel, on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well.